Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are a Jesus community telling the biggest story of God in Los Angeles in 2020. We're excited that you're joining the conversation with us today. Enjoy. Uh, so we're going to jump into conversation time right now. I love that we do this as a community. Everything that we do is about setting up you. It's about the fact that you are the body of Christ, that you uh, are in your own journey. And there's nothing that I imagine that I'm going to say that speaks to every single one of you. So we create a space where you get to think and reason and acknowledge and feel for yourself about how you want to live your life. And that's what conversation time is all about. And so you can click on the conversation time uh, tab. They're going to put a link up in the Zoom group, and we're going to break you out with a few people. Uh, again, I say this all the time. For you extroverts, what a dream world. For you introverts, I'm sure this is terrifying for you. But maybe what an opportunity uh, we all have to share our experiences with other people. Uh, and so per usual, a wide open, light question to start with, which is, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Enjoy. I think for many of us, that's exactly how 2020 has felt. We have felt stuck, that we're in place, that we're in a loop, and where is the thing going? That for uh, you millennials out there or Gen Z, that is called Groundhog Day. Uh, Groundhog Day is a cult classic comedy from 1993. Uh, that is Bill Murray. Feel free to Google it. Who knows? Maybe he has an Instagram. I am not sure. Uh, but the movie is powerful and it's incredibly existential because it's asking these deeper questions about us being stuck or us being in loops. And uh, the movie is all about Phil Connors, this local weatherman who is stuck in February 2nd. And the question really is, how long is he stuck for? That the writer and director of the movie, Harold Ramis, really writes it because he was a Jew who became Buddhist. And he believes that the human soul may take up to 10,000 years to evolve. That it takes time for us to ask these bigger questions about being stuck, about what we want to do with our lives, about the choices that we're making. And so much of the first part of the movie is all about Phil Connors being angry that he's stuck, being angry that life doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Eventually, he'll learn how to do ice sculpture, or how to speak French. And he brings that into each day as the same day is going on. There are other parts of the movie where he decides to elaborately rob a bank. And many of us would have the same ideas about what would we do if the same day was repeated again and again, or what would we do if this was our last day? And my question for all of us as we move into the season of Advent, as many of us feel like uh, we were just here a year ago, that we were setting up the Christmas tree with the kids just a couple days ago, and my wife said to me, this feels like just yesterday we were doing this, even though 2020 has seemed so wild. And although we have these moments in time that they repeat year after year after year, there's these bigger questions about who we are and where we're going as human beings, that none of us are stuck. None of us are in a loop. Each day should be living like it is our last day. We have the choice to live differently in every single moment. One of the things I most believe about being a human being is that this is your only life. This is the only life that you'll ever get. Today is the only day that you'll wake up on November 29th, 2020. You'll never get a November 29th, 2020 again. 
so you can choose to live into this day like you're stuck. No one else can choose to live your life for you. No one else can choose to live your life today in a way that is meaningful and beautiful and filled with wonder and awe. That how you choose to live today in this moment will determine your perspective and reality in the world that you have. That in this day, food can taste better. In this day, music can come alive. In this day, you can experience love. In this day, you can have intimacy because only you can choose your life. That you are not stuck in a loop. You are not stuck. Even though 2020 has handed many of us cards that we never want dealt to us, we have a choice about how to live every single day. And how we choose to live, for me, comes down to this beautiful idea of awareness. Are we so aware of God? Are we so aware of ourselves? And are we so aware of the choices that we make? And so to talk about awareness, we gotta talk about some things. We're gonna talk about what it means to be stuck, and then how do we choose to live in awareness? And if we can do that, then we're gonna talk about the church calendar because, you know, that gets you excited on a Sunday morning. And if we can talk about the church calendar, then we have some questions that we're gonna ask. And if we can ask those questions in a way that's meaningful and relevant to 2020, then we can listen to some ancient words. And if we can hear those ancient words in a fresh way, then Westworld, of course. And then we will end with the most beautiful thing possible, a priest, Buddha, and Gandhi walk into a bar. You see where I'm going there. The church calendar was created 1,700 years ago, and it's evolved in different ways, but really what it was created for is it was created to highlight the life of Jesus, that the liturgical calendar is something that 90% of Christians follow around the world. I grew up as a good card-carrying evangelical, so I had no idea what liturgy was because I followed Michael W. Smith. And the liturgical calendar is helpful because it goes through the life of Jesus, beginning with Advent, which is this beautiful idea of the arrival and the anticipation of Christ into the world. And then you go from this anticipation and from this arrival, and then you eventually move through the different seasons of the year. And in the Advent, it's this idea of that God is with us. And then as we move towards Easter, it moves to this idea that God is for us. And then there's this long period in the summer called common time. And each of these periods of time in the liturgical year correspond with certain passages. And a lot of times when you go read those passages, you think, man, I have no idea how this actually fits with Christmas, that we've lost a lot of the meaning and the passion behind what these passages are actually telling us. One of the powerful things for me of Advent and of the liturgical calendar is that even though it repeats every year, we don't repeat every year. We have a choice not to come into this Christmas in the same way that we came into last Christmas. We are not Bill Connors. We are not stuck on February 2nd for tens or hundreds or however many years that he was actually there. We have different questions to ask ourselves this year because of the relationships that we had, because of our own self-awareness, because of the experiences that we took place in, both individually and corporately, where who we are in this Advent season as we anticipate and await the arrival of Christ in this season should be very different 
than it was in 2019. And isn't that beautiful? That you've heard the Christmas story before. You've heard the story of the coming Christ before. But this year, in 2020, you get to interpret that story through new lenses, through new growth, through new opportunity. And only you can choose that. Only you can choose to see and celebrate the change and evolution and transformation that you've gone through. Nobody else can do that for you. And so maybe you have an opportunity this year to look at 2020 and say, man, it was hard and it sucked and it was difficult and all these things happened, which they did. It was a wild fucking year. Don't get me wrong. It was an election year, a global pandemic. Let's not undermine or dismiss or demean. That's some wild stuff. However, even though all of those things are going on, we still have the opportunity to grow every single day. And part of the ways that we grow is through the awareness that we have of ourselves, of taking in some stock of our lives, doing some intake to ask ourselves better questions. Here's a few of the questions that I've been asking myself as we come to the end of the year. How have you grown this year? How have I grown in all of the different facets of my life? How have I grown in my thinking? How have I grown in my relationships? How have I grown in my finances? How have I grown in health? Did I commit to therapy? Did I commit to good relationships and friendships in different ways, even though I had to pivot in those relationships because I had to do more Zoom calls than wine nights? What shaped you? Are there things that shaped you this year? Are there people that you should credit even the things that worked against you? How can you thank a pandemic for the ways that it forced you to be still, that it forced you out of the norms of your busyness, that it forced you to pause and reflect in a way because you and the rest of the world had no choice? When did you experience hope in 2020? These are questions that I'm asking myself. I can ask myself questions, when was it hard in 2020? Everybody can ask themselves that, but I can also ask myself different questions about where was joy, where was beauty, where was wonder, where was awe, where was hope? What's interesting is when I ask myself those questions, those are the things that I'm looking for in my life. If I'm constantly asking where the bad things are, those are the things that I'll be looking for. But I have a choice in how I live, and my awareness is a part of that choice. And then some of my favorite questions are, who are you and where are you going? As Connor shared about in the meeting, interesting person, really this idea of who are we becoming? We may have done a bunch of different things this year. There may be a bunch of different tasks that we've completed, but who we are and where we're going individually and corporately as human beings are beautiful questions to ask. And what the Advent season provides for us is it provides this marker in a year that we do every year. But when we get to this Advent season, we can ask new questions about the type of people that we've become this year that we weren't last year. And we can have gratitude for that change and that growth. And when we can name that in this different season, when we can name that as we await on the arrival of the Christ child, as we await new birth in our lives, then maybe that will shape the trajectory of where we're going into the next year. And so with that said, follow along with me in Mark chapter 13. But in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. 
The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. The Greek also says, beware. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned tasks, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Many of you grew up in the same world that I did, and that, my friends, was a rapture verse. Come on right? Jesus is coming at any moment, and my clothes will be left behind, and a few of us selected people who, you know, kept up with our purity rings will go to heaven, while the rest of the sinners will be here on earth experiencing apocalyptic times. What a hopeful message I grew up with. Uh, That's not what this passage is about. This passage is not about you living in fear and terror that Jesus may come back at any time and that the sinners will be left behind and that the chosen elect will be raptured up to heaven. Just so you know, that type of theology is only 150 years old. It is not even a part of Orthodox Christian theology. If you would like to have a nice little Google search in your spare time, please take me up on this somebody. I'll give you 50 bucks. Google John Darby. John Darby is the person who gave us dispensationalism and who gave us rapture thinking, but it is not a part of Orthodox Christian thinking. It's just a part of evangelical thinking, and they wrote a lot more books than other people. Thank you, Kirk Cameron. Commercial break over. What this passage is about is that we should live into the anticipation that Christ is coming always. What if we lived in a way that this was our last day? That's what this passage is about. This passage is not about that the second coming will happen one day. It's about this idea that you would live in anticipation and awareness every day. That's why Jesus hasn't returned, because it's about this idea that you're living as if Christ is here in every moment. That so much of what we need to do with these passages is to reclaim what they're actually saying. These are not passages that are rooted in fear and scarcity and a God who wants to send billions of people into damnation. This is a God that so values your human life and experience that this God is saying to you again and again and again, be alert, beware, don't fall asleep, be awake. Look at this passage again with some of these highlighted words. Be on guard, be alert. You don't know when that time will come. 
It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task and tells the one to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch. Do not let him find you sleeping. Watch. These are powerful words. What if we saw this passage in a different way, in a way that says, what if this is how you lived your life? What if this is how you chose to live? That what if you lived in such a way that Christ was always coming, that the eternal was always coming, that that God is always moving and present in your life? There's this beautiful idea and there's an evolution in us where we move from bad religion to more healthy religion. Bad religion is this idea that God is only here or there. Healthy religion and spirituality is that God is everywhere and always. Bad religion is Jesus came 2,000 years ago, Jesus did some magic on the cross, sprinkled some pixie dust over you with his blood, and now your life's gonna be better when you say the words out loud, go to the altar and get baptized, except you did that and your life didn't change. You still had all of the same problems that you had previously because we were telling bad religion in the wrong story. Or we're telling a story where God is only here or there and the bad religion is Jesus did something way back there and then Jesus is gonna come deal with all of the crap later and come back again and blow this planet up. That's bad religion where God is only here or there in specific moments. The growth, the evolution where Jesus is pulling people into transformation is no, 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 see these words as God is everywhere and always. It's not about the fact that a Christ child was born 2,000 years ago. It's about this beautiful reality that Christ can be born anew into your heart every single day. What would it look like for you to live in anticipation every single day? What would it look like for you to be on guard, to be alert, to be awake, to not fall asleep to your own life? How then might you live life and life to the fullest? That's what Jesus said he came to do. I have come that you may have life, life abundant. And you have life, and you have life abundant when you're awake for it, when you're alert to it, when you're participating in it, when you're aware of what's actually going on, when you see that life is not just a calendar that's coming at you reactively, but life is the moments that you choose every single day to be aware to the realities that God is around you always, to be aware to the realities of yourself and to be aware to the realities of your choices. I don't know if any of you are Westworld fans. Two people in this room today talk about exciting. I know more of you were hooting and hollering at home, but Westworld is this powerful show. I really believe that many of the Hollywood writers are the prophets of our day, them and stand-up comedians. Thank you, Dave Chappelle. Um, Because they get to speak truth into the human experience and to where we're actually at. They get to challenge who we are and what we're doing. Westworld is one of these existential shows that's also talking about this reality of what it looks like when we're in a loop, that the show is based on these robots that are so lifelike that human beings go to these amusement parks with these robots really to live out their kind of evil fantasies, so to speak. Um, They want to kill people and just, you know, makes Tinder look like a kindergarten playground sort of thing. And so, exactly. And so Westworld is all about what if that we are not actually living into our full reality? What if we're not living in awareness every day? I love this quote from one of the robots in Westworld, Dolores Abernathy. Never thought you were gonna get this quoted in a church on a Sunday morning, you're welcome. Have you ever questioned the nature of your reality? Did you ever stop to wonder about your actions? 
the price you'd have to pay if there was a reckoning. The reckoning is here. The power of the show is that a robot is asking human beings this reality. Are we so aware of where we're at? Are we aware of the fact that every day is a reckoning for the actions that you've made in your entire life? Reckoning doesn't have to be bad. Reckoning is you are living out the choices that you make. That's what your life is. It is the sum of the choices that you've previously made. And you do not have to keep making those choices anymore, or you can choose new choices for the life that you want to live. That is the power of being a homo sapien. There is no other creature on planet Earth that if they decided today to leave California, to quit their job, and to not have those friends, because we all know about those friends anymore, and if they wanted to move to the south of France and work in a farm and live in somebody's little back house, you can. For like 500 bucks and a really cheap Expedia plane ticket. We have choices all of the time that we can make in our world. And we get to make better choices when we live into a deep awareness of what reality is. A priest, Buddha, and Gandhi walked into a bar together. And they heard Jesus' words in fresh ways. Here's what the priest taught me. Richard Rohr says this. We cannot attain the presence of God because we're already totally in the presence of God. What a different shift in the way that many of us grew up. I cannot attain the presence of God because the presence of God is always with me. You may or may not notice this, but a lot of times that I pray, I pray a prayer that God, we cannot invite you into this space because you are already here. So many of us grew up with an awareness of God that God only shows up when somehow we're doing the right things and especially if we're not doing the wrong things. That is unhealthy, bad religion. God is not showing up into anything because God is always fully present there. I love the ancient rabbis as they speak about the burning bush. They say it's not that the bush started burning, it's that the bush was always burning and that Moses finally had eyes to see it. That around each and every one of us, every single day, are moments for us to experience the holy, the goodness, the other of what reality actually is. We don't have to go on some giant quest to find God because what Christ comes to teach us is that God has always been within each and every one of us. This is a massive reality shift, but it's about my choice to believe that reality. It's about my choice to realize that Jesus came to change my mind about who God is, to change my mind about a God who is not here to send us to damnation and to punish us because of some weird games of cause and effect and our capacity not to eat shellfish. That this God is the God who wants constant, continual union with us. And that when we have full union with God, then we have union with ourselves. And as we have union with ourselves and get to see the divine and the humanity within us, then we get to see the humanity and the divine within every other person. That if it's true that God's not showing up in my life, then it's also true that God's not showing up in their life because God is already there. And if God is already there, if the divine is already in the face that you're looking across at, how would you treat that person? How would your life change? 
How would your choices be different in 2021 than maybe they were in 2020? Would you be alert? Would you be awake? Would you not fall asleep to the reality that God is always around you? Would you be aware of the divine in your presence all of the time? What Buddha taught me is that Buddha just means I am awake in Sanskrit. It's this beautiful reality that we are about waking up as human beings, waking up to the reality that the divine and God have always been here. But many a times, as the passage of Jesus is showing us from Mark 13, we're not awake to our lives. We are asleep, that we are not here and present and showing up to the life that is happening to us. And there's a whole list of reasons that I think that we're not awake. Some of it is complacency and lethargy. And by the way, none of this is judgment. This is just the reality of how we live as human beings. It's hopelessness. It's fear. We live into reactivity to how the world is coming at us instead of us living into the world in a creative or proactive way. We're riddled with anxiousness as a society. That's not like prescribable anxiety that I'm talking about. I'm talking about anxiousness that we don't even know how to exist as a society. If we're standing in a grocery line, we have to pull out our phone if someone else made eye contact with us for more than two seconds. We have a weird anxious, our brains don't know how to settle and just be present. And we're uncomfortable with that reality. The first thing that we do in the morning is grab our phones to somehow immediately get connected to the matrix again, because we're anxious. We have worry. We live in a constant state of malaise. There's many people who live in a life that they feel it's meaningless. I love when I hear the next two ones when people say that they're bored. When my five-year-old tells me he's bored, I say, well, that's a choice because the world is endlessly interesting. You could do whatever you wanted right now. You don't have to be bored. You could color. You don't have to be bored. You can play with dinosaurs. You don't have to be bored. You could sing. You don't have to be bored. You could just be silent and marvel at the incredible reality that oxygen is coming into your brain and that you have consciousness and that 13.8 billion years of evolution allowed you to be bored in this moment. Come on, people. You don't have to be bored. My next favorite one, why we don't live into awareness with ourselves, why we're not here in the present moment is I'm busy. No, you're not. You have the same 24 hours in your day that every other single human being does. You may have different things in your schedule, but you're not busier than anybody else. That is not an excuse not to live your life. Your calendar that you're constantly 15 minutes late to everything and not present into other people's life is not an excuse for you not being alert or being awake. That's a choice. And I know those are intense words, but this is your only life. You can be bored or busy in it, but you might miss it. And you don't get November 29th, 2020 ever again. So how might you live it to it in a different way? And then just the realities of stress. And they're literally stress from systemic levels to individual levels, things that feel completely out of our control to things that are in our control. But the reality about stress and fear is, unless a bear is literally going to attack you in this moment and take your life, most of stress and fear is our choice to see reality as those things instead of to live into reality in different ways. And Jesus is always coming to offer us freedom in those realities. Jesus is trying to lead us to what Buddha is teaching us. Be awake. Be awake for the life that you're living. I had a reckoning in my life this year in 2020 as uh, I've tried to be more awake. 
At the beginning of the year, uh, I have another job uh, where I work for a development company and we own a bank. And during the beginning of the year, our bank was giving out a paycheck, paycheck, paycheck protection program loans. I know everyone gets excited about those. Uh, as small businesses were about to close, the government was giving money through banks. That's how I was facilitating these loans. And I got basically had to dive headfirst into this process of handing out loans. And for two months, I literally was 12 hours a day every day because it really mattered if those businesses got money because it was all about jobs. And I came out of that season so excited about all the things that I've done and realized how much that I had missed out on my own family's life and my life. And then throughout this summer, there began to be these deeper moments where I realized that I'm not as aware as I think that I am. That there were some conversations that I began to have with my wife uh, where I started to do trauma therapy and I realized that there's unhealth that I've been carrying for so many years of my life. And now I'm finally having eyes to see and ears to hear a different reality for my life. But one of the pain points of it is that through that time, as I was going through a process of finding myself, I was asking my wife to carry more weight than she should. I was asking her to carry my pack as well as my own. And then I had to come to the reckoning that I've been asking her to carry more than she should and how that's damaged and hurt her. And then I had to go through another season of therapy where we had to acknowledge that pain and that hurt and the weight that I was asking her to carry. And then I had to go through another season where I recognized, okay, how do I change my schedule in such a way that it actually matches up with my values and the things that I care about in this world? Because people would tell me this all the time, you're gonna blink and your kids are gonna be older and they have been. My seven, five, and three-year-old feel like they change every single day, and I realize I don't want to miss out on their world. I want to be alert. I want to be on guard. I don't want to fall asleep. I want to see them grow up. I want to teach them to ride bikes. I want to laugh with them and roar with them and hear their tantrums because it's so good to be their dad. But I have to choose to show up into their life. No one else can choose that for me. I can make excuses about all of the other things that I have going on in my calendar because there's plenty. But at the end of the day, that doesn't mean anything if I miss out on their beautiful lives. I have a choice to be awake. I have a choice to be alert. I have a choice to be on guard. I have a choice to do intake into my life to have self-awareness and reflection about where I'm actually at that a priest taught me about awareness with God, that Buddha taught me about awareness with myself. And here's what Gandhi taught me. Integrity is when what you think is the same as what you say, and what you say is the same as what you do. That I think for so many of us, we do live in this loop, where we think some things in our head, and it doesn't match up to the words that we actually say with our mouth, there's even a greater distance to the actions that we actually live in our life. That if I were to define reality, reality is defined as the gap between intent and impact. That reality is the gap between the intent that I have within myself and the impact that I have on another human being. If I intended to love them and care for them and be for them, if I intent, my intent was to love and care for my wife, the impact that I was having on her is that I was asking her to carry more weight than she should. And there was a difference in the reality that we were living into. My intent sometimes, right, is that I want to have a six pack. The impact that I'm having on my body is eating every possible calorie that is given to me on Thanksgiving. 
there's a discrepancy in reality about the intent and the impact I have there. You can take that as seriously or to the most small moments of your life, but if you've ever been in a place in communication with someone where there's conflict, there might be a gap between your intent and the impact you're having on them. And that's all about awareness of our choices. It's all about, am I living into my choices in such a way that they're actually following through from what I think to what I say to what I actually do? That awareness in our choices allows us to make better choices. And sometimes we do that by inviting other people into our lives so they can really have a reality check on who we are and where we're actually at. And so I wanna land the plane with these two practices, I think, that allow us to have more awareness with God, to have more awareness with ourselves, and to have more awareness with our choices. And it's gratitude and declaration. Gratitude is what I would say is this deeper question of where you are, and declaration is where you're going. As your awareness changes in your life, your gratitude changes in your life. You begin to be thankful for things that you never thought that you would be grateful for. One of the things I became grateful for this year was my body. I have never been grateful for my body before 2020, which is weird to say as a 35-year-old man. I have shamed my body, felt bad about my body, felt like my body wasn't healthy. What I've learned this year is, God, thank you for this body that it has got me here. Thank you for these love handles that I look at every single day and I pretend that I don't wanna look at them, but I think about them a lot more than anybody else is thinking about them. But thank you for this body. And where I'm going is a declaration of, I want to make healthier physical decisions of working out and eating in a new way. These are the things that I want to do. That how can we be grateful for where we actually are and make choices that are rooted in awareness and how can we move into a place of declaration where we're talking about the reality of where we actually want to go? What are the things that you can be grateful for in 2020? What are the declarations that you can make for yourself today about where you actually want to go? How can both of those things be rooted in a deeper awareness of who God is, about who you are, and the choices that you make every single day? Because this is the only November 29th, 2020 that you're ever gonna get. You're not stuck. You're not in a loop. The only person that can have awareness and make choices for your life today is you. What choices will you make? We're gonna get back in your groups and ask these questions with one another. How will you choose to live with awareness? Enjoy. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.